You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is... Paul Gillieri. Paul, I gotta tell you, my voice has felt no better than this in a while. I'm not sick, I don't believe you are sick, and yet, it's just, everything's coming together. We are at one (laughs) with the, uh, the, um... The good vibes and good fortune and good health. And I think we owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to the algorithm, Jason. Oh, yes. Somebody's feeding that bad boy, and that's why you're well. Many people are feeding the algorithm. I was going to say it's uh, PJ Fan Summer, you know, instead of Hot Girl Summer, it's PJ Fan Summer. (laughs) Uh, It's June gloom here in in Southern California. And by the way, uh, I learned... This week, I, I never actually tried to figure out why. I learned why we have June gloom. Do you know why, why we have June gloom out here? Isn't it uh, all regionally based? I mean, are you are you are you experiencing June gloom in uh, you know the heart of Kansas? Well, no, but why, but I mean, in Southern California, ah, specifically here, yes, we, we have a thing called June gloom where it's gray. We do indeed, yeah. and overcast. Uh, they call it May Gray because it's like this in May, and then also in in June, with, they call it June Gloom. For any of you not from this area, I learned that this happens, even though the rest of the country has usually beautiful skies and nice weather, because while the air is warm above, the water off of our coast, the the Pacific Ocean, is still cold. And so the condensation rises, becomes this marine layer of clouds, and then the marine layer flows east, but then gets stuck because of the mountains that we have. And so then this this clouds just sit there, and they don't evaporate because the hot air is above above us still, keeping it pushed down. So until the Pacific Ocean gets warm enough, where it doesn't condense enough clouds and make clouds, this is why we have this. So that's why we wait until like July to have... The beautiful sunny weather for like five straight months and then it's just you know 100 degrees until november so so you're telling me the ocean ain't warm enough it sounds it like warm global right warming now. is a hoax that's well, that's what you seem to be telling me here and, it's, and if you that's, go out, that's what my ears are telling me is that, is that well, what you're, you're trying to wrong. say here yeah and you know as far as you go out like five miles it just drops off like a cliff because it's flat yeah, exactly i don't know why i'm using that voice because that could be anybody <laughs> um before we go off completely off the rails, what uh, Paul was alluding to is we have come to the end of the road um, of our our giveaway for the long road book for our 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 algorithm feeding comments of the month. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So we had a number of reviews. That this came is in. this is a special moment. It was special because the the words were so touching, and I can't begin to express uh, our debt of gratitude. Being sincere here, with the tremendous outpouring of uh, just just positive um, feedback and the wonderful words that, that that so many listeners shared about what this podcast means, not just to them, but um, in what vein they feel this podcast occupies within the space that is the Pearl Jam community. And uh, it's it's just honestly, Jason, it, I'd like to, to say that it has so much to do with you and with me, but I think it no. extends so far beyond anything either yeah. one of us are doing here. <laughs> it's like, I think we've said it before, but like we, you know, we're two, two dudes just talking Pearl Jam, but these are the conversations that everybody's having. We yeah. just happened to grab Mike and put them together, but like this, this is this is the conversation we all have at the at the shows or with our friends in the yeah. in the music room in the house or at the bar. And that's how you and I met. Was literally talking about Pearl Jam at a bar in West Hollywood. So mm-hmm. that's right. Um, 
This is many moons ago. Yes, many. Oh my god, that was. By the way, that was sixteen years ago. I think. Oh, that's nuts. What year is this? Two thousand twenty-three. <laughs> so that it was two thousand. I want to say two thousand eight, maybe. Yep, that's it. What is that? Fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Fifteen. Good God. Good God, sir. Well, anyways, um, we've we had a number of really touching um, reviews. Some were very funny as well. Yeah. And um, we we've chosen a winner. And a runner-up because mm-hmm. another one. I mean, listen, there, there was it was like you know you could pick any of them really. Well, but um, there's a symbiotic connection I feel between these two. Yeah, and, and they may, they may not be connected at all, but they, they feel connected. Be. They so, do. Um, we'll we'll announce those winners at the very end of the show. So stay mm-hmm. tuned for that. Um, in the meantime, in the meantime, there's someone that is fast forwarding to the very end of this podcast right someone now. Someone is. <laughs> Someone like, <laughs> is 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, <laughs> or just, you know, scrubbing with their finger. Mm-hmm. Well, for those of you who did not scrub, uh, we've got a lovely show for you here. And if you recall 30 weeks ago, 30 episodes ago, we did a show called Pearl Jam Couplets. And that was an exercise to find, at least at the time, our three favorite song pairings, not unlike a fine wine in a charcuterie plate. <laughs> that uh, analogy brought to you by the wine that I'm drinking. Salvo? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Salvo? Sardo? I, I forget what it's called. Zin? Yeah. Which runs in stark contrast to the uh, Cerveza Nona Pacifico mm. that I am holding in my hand. There's fewer beers more delicious on a, on a hot summer day with a... Maybe or, a or a June gloomy day, apparently. Or, <laughs> or, or sitting in a, in a room recording a podcast. Don't, hey, listen, uh, Anderson Valley. You know we're not we're not encroaching on your on your turf here. Or Pacifico isn't encroaching on your turf. It's it's all good. We got no, there's they enough room to sponsoring, man. They I'm really telling you, they're missing out. I know. <laughs> Anyways, before we go off on another tangent here, so Pearl Jam couplets. Uh, we're going to do part two because there are many many songs that we feel kind of work well together, whether in complementary ways or they just they live in a in a parallel universe or the two sides of a coin, or whatever. Um, and so we're going to do another round of that. And I think um, after we finished that first part, I know I had like seven or eight more that I was like ready to chomp at the bit and ready to chomp at the bit. I was chomping at the bit to talk about, but we limit ourselves to three. We're going to do that again. We're going to do three a piece. And uh, yeah, and then we'll get to our, our usual business at the end with the lyric and live cut. So, um, Paul, you want to go first or me? Sure, I could do that. Hit me with your best shot. That's second (sighs) second time I've said that. Hit me with your best shot. Okay. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Paul starts singing. We know we're going downhill. Uh, So we're going to very quickly pivot to the Mm -hmm. matter at hand. I am going to avoid the journey of song and I'm going to instead pivot to uh, the journey of the road, specifically a journey in a mini fast car. Lovely. Um, yeah, yeah. So a uh, mini fast car, one of the premier driving songs, as they are known in the Pearl Jam catalog. Uh, this is off of Pearl Jam's uh, ninth, oh, I'm sorry, the ninth song off of Pearl Jam's Yield. And uh, I've always found this song to be uh, intro- when I first heard it, I didn't know what the heck MFC stood for, obviously, right? right? So I'm listening yeah. to this. I'm like, what, what in the world is this? <laughs> so apparently it's in reference to the uh, the very small cars that were driven in Rome or are driven in Rome mm-hmm. on those uh, those laneless streets. Uh, and I say this from experience because I, I once dated a girl for an extensive period of time who drove a smart car in Rome, a little purple smart car. Mm. And uh, we would uh, dash in and around traffic, uh, seemingly at the speed of light. <laughs> dated a girl that lived in Rome. Yeah, yeah. Tales for another day. But um, oh my goodness! Oh, yeah, geez. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about this. Okay, carry on. But um, anyway, so it, it, you know, a great, great driving song, and uh, I, I feel like this song does a wonderful job of capturing the essence of just getting in the car and just getting away. You know what I mean? Just leaving from whatever uh, conflict or strife or turmoil happens to be consuming that particular person at a given point in time. Um, in this case, the um, <clears throat> I believe the protagonist is is female. I don't mm-hmm. think that it, that's all that relevant given the themes and the motifs of the song. Um, 
There's no leaving here. Ask, I'm in here. We've disappeared. There's no leaving here. Uh, but as the song opens with perfect driving imagery, right? Sliding out of reverse into drive, this wheel mm-hmm. will be turning right, then straight off in the sunset, she'll ride. And uh, the song that I think pairs beautifully with this is um, off of the, uh, the subsequent album, or not subsequent album, but uh, almost 10 years later, I should say, uh, 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 what, what many called a return to the form of yield, mm, and that was know. Avocado, yep. right? So I think that with Avocado, the song Gone, the Eddie Vedder tune Gone is a perfect couplet pairing here. Uh, Gone is yet another driving song. It fits into that category. And uh, it's really about just leaving things behind, you know, and it brings into the perspective what it feels like to look in the rear view, which again, I mean, uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of songs mm-hmm. I could have added. No, yeah. no, I should say pun intended there. But um, Eddie said that uh, the idea was that this guy was leaving Atlantic City and needing to find a new life without his past, without his possessions, not really looking for more possessions because it takes place in a car. It's probably very similar to rearview mirror in a way, but I think this car is a hybrid because I think he's only got <laughs> one tank of gas. So I want him to go far. <laughs> uh, but that line, uh, you know, nothing is everything apparently was taken from the uh, Pete Townsend song. Let's see action mm. from uh, his solo album. Who came first, but that idea, nothing is everything that's going to play a role this existential line, nothing is everything going to play a role in another couplet of mine that's coming up. But for now, Gone and uh, MFC, I think, off in the sunset, she'll ride. Uh, yeah. I like that. Gr- great, great pairing, I think, in a lot Listen, of ways. Listen, we, we, I think we've, we may have even spoken about driving songs before. There might have been a playlist for all. For, for, yeah. We may have. If, if we haven't, it, it was one of the options we've had. But um, yeah, driving songs, obviously, that as synonymous with Pearl Jam as ocean songs are, um, it's it's one of Ed's favorite uh, metaphors. And to get the hell out of something, to find some peace, to um, leave something behind that was, you know, uh, just eating away at you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. This this makes all but the sense. It's dichotomy, too, right? Like nothing is everything. That's a line off of God, but think about the lyrics in MFC. Yeah. Uh, want to be everywhere. There's a lot to be said for nowhere. Nothing mm. is everything, everywhere, nowhere. I just love the um, the paradigm that uh, we, we see kind of mirrored a little yeah. bit there in both songs. Um, it's funny that you you bring that up because I, I mentioned two sides to a coin kind of thing. And, and both of these mm-hmm. subjects are are leaving where they are, but for kind of different purposes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's kind of where my first couplet is gonna is gonna live is it's in a similar kind of two sides of the coin um uh idea and that is um the songs immortality and can't keep nice so called it thank you um i one can't live in this world anymore so the only way to live on forever is to die that's kind of where you know immortal immortality is all about the other wants to live so freely and fully that whenever he or she does die, the stories and memories they've created will live on forever. I really, really love the juxtaposition of these two songs. Great you know, juxtaposition. They they come at this at this you know, what will I be to the world? Who am I? And what mark will I leave? Question. And you get the opposites sort of thing. You get someone who's depressed and sees all the darkness. And then you have someone who's content and settled and sees life for all of its beauty. At least that's how I see it. And, and I love that, especially considering what album Can't Keep is on, a very dreary album. Uh, this song leads it off, which is always kind of interesting to me. And obviously we've done a, I think we've done a retracking of this, of this album, I believe. And um, to have it lead off always kind of was odd. I think musically it does work, but anyways. Um I think Ed has done a lot of evolving and living in the eight years in between these two songs and it, and it shows, but he's taken the idea of the finiteness, um, the finity <laughs> of, instead of infinity of, uh, of life and uh, flipped it on its head. So someone who's thinking about the end of the road, but in, I've got to live, I've got to, I've got to live, I've got to live, I've got to live and do all my living now. And somebody who just can't wait to get to that point because they 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 don't think they can live anymore. So I think that these two songs um, are really 
like I said, two sides of a similar coin of the same coin, I guess. And um, I just love the combination of them. So love that pairing, uh, especially love the the motif of, of 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 death and those next steps, trying to to make meaning beyond that. Uh, I'm actually going to stick with that oh. for my pairing. Okay, uh, just in a very different vein. I'm, I'm going to uh, also sticking with track number nine off of an album. Uh, this time, I'm going to go with ten and garden in this particular case. Oh yes. Uh, so you know, we we broke this album down or this song down, I should say, not too long ago, and uh, really dark imagery. And you get the the metaphor of this this garden, this dilapidated, wilting garden. And uh, the Garden of Stone elicits the imagery of a cemetery. And uh, it, it's hard to not think of, you know, themes like the uh, impact of war and um, perhaps these existential thoughts that come to mind that, that have come up in both of the pairings that we've, we've mentioned so far in this discussion. But also, I think uh, th- there's that element of what it means to be a soldier. and questioning not just your place in the world uh that opening line there you know our modern needs right like what 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 is it that is that qualifies as a necessity and how far are we driven to have those needs be met and uh this this cold garden of stone and the inevitable death that comes with these material needs that we as a society can uh, find ourselves shackled to and uh I can't help but see a parallel to at that point in time, um, something that Eddie Vedder correlated this song to, which was the Gulf War and the mm. greed that was mm-hmm. involved in that particular invasion in Kuwait and uh, the Garden of Stone. I believe uh, many references to a military uh, cemetery, and uh, you know, you you. I think there's a uh, 1987 war film with the same name, Garden. Of stone, I'd have to do some research hmm. on that. I, I, I believe that was the case, but uh, yeah. the Gulf War was very heavy, I think, on Eddie's mind when this song was written. And it makes me think of another song associated with another war. In this particular case, not the, the Gulf War, but rather um, uh, the war in Iraq, which was you know, essentially the piggybacked off of that with, with Kuwait and the invasion thereafter. And uh, worldwide suicide off of avocado. Mm. So we we, we jump forward. Um, what is it? Almost sixteen years at that point in time. And um, Eddie has said that this song was very much written in large part to uh, to Pat Tillman, the former NFL player who died. And uh, you know, I'm going to quote Eddie here. He says it's about him and a bunch of the guys who didn't get as much coverage. The guys who barely got a paragraph instead of ten pages. Uh, the thing about Tillman was he got 10 pages, but they were all lies. Again, I like this, uh, the, the callback with 10, right? 10 pages mm. here. His family, obviously not intentional, but uh, I thought the coincidence was unique. His family's being blocked by our government from finding out what happened. Where are the leaders that are going to represent a galvanized view on what to do next? And again, going back to uh, to what you had talked about with your parent, with death, like what to do next? Where do we go next? Eddie continues here, democracy might have a chance at working if people educate themselves on these issues and make their opinions known. So I liked the pairing here of um, the personal existential perspective that I think is captured with a song like Garden and the the, the atmospheric composition that that does a beautiful job of accentuating that. And kind of the in-your-face blistering performance that is Worldwide Suicide. And just kind of the rage, the intensity that's that the um, the song and the subject matter seem to demand. So I thought those two were a, a really interesting couplet in the sense that they both tackled a similar subject, but they did so from from I think a macro and a micro point of view. And so I think together they represent um, what feels like a complete picture on the matter but i think one that is 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 actually when you consider all the other songs in the catalog that deal with war it's actually a very incomplete picture um there's a whole host of other songs that we could you know bring in from songs from army reserve to um you know last soldier and so on and so on that i think could equally play 
a, a profound role in in subsequent couplets. But for for the sake of this, I liked that macro micro juxtaposition to use your word here that Garden and Worldwide Suicide represent. So I went with those two here. I love it. I love it. I love the the micro macro. I love the musical differences of one being more. I mean, the chorus and the in the in the bridges are very heavy mm-hmm. in Garden, but it's more kind of it kind of sits back a little bit. Um, whereas uh, Worldwide Suicide is definitely on the front foot, yeah, uh, to borrow a sporting term, and um, yeah, that, that that whole the whole military vibe and and you know how how are we honoring the people who are honoring us by by volunteering to defend you know our our way of life um yeah i think it's a great pairing and you're right it, there obviously there are more sides to that die it isn't just a you know a two or actually like, you know i'm mixing my metaphors here but it's not just a two-sided coin there is more facets to this bad boy and you mentioned army reserve us soldier yell at better mm-hmm. um could be in there the next one i've got is Probably a little on the nose for me, but it kind of stood out. So I'm I'm just going to tick the box while I'm here. I've got God's dice and mind your manners. Nice. And uh, I like it because it's, it's almost like a question and answer. So in God's dice, Jeff is asking the question, Jeff wrote the lyrics for this one and the music. Jeff is asking the question, why do we need God's? What, what is it about a higher power that we find necessary? Like all of them, not just not just a Christian God, but any God, just the idea of a God. Um, it's it's all faith in something or someone that is ultimately controlling. Is this helpful? That's what the song is asking. Uh, and it's a bit sardonic. And Jeff is ultimately saying that life is a roll of the dice. You know, sure, we have free will, but we don't live in a vacuum. There are variables we cannot control. Um, then you've got Mind Your Manners, where Ed is being very antagonistic. Almost like, hey, we gave this religion thing a chance, and and what has it gotten us? Um, obviously, he's very upset and angry with events, I guess, current events, not as current events over the, over the 20, 30 years as we find out more and more about, you know, priests and 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 the things that sometimes are some of them do um, to, you know, younger people. But um, I think a lot of the focus on the negative things that have been wrought um is there from religion and understandably so i know the two songs are written by different people but coming from the always evolving organism of pearl jam it feels almost like i said a question and an answer and god's dice is saying i don't know if we need any of this isn't life just a bunch of chances that we have chosen to navigate through and around lots of questions here and then after some living they answer their own question nah I've seen too much. I'm mad about it. I'm calling it all out. And it's easy to get lost in the negativity surrounding religion. We, you know, we see it perverted time and again, especially in America's politics. But perhaps there will be another song at some point that finds a balance to this equation. Um, nice. Or is this just the answer the band has found? I mean, they're basically 60 at this point. I don't know if they're going to find another side to this. Uh, I don't want to call it a debate per se, but how they feel about it. I feel like it's a it's a it's a it's a path many of us go down, um, including myself, where you you are raised a certain way, you're raised to think a certain way. Eventually, you you as you're a teenager, you're in college or whatever, you learn to question everything. And um, you know, some of us go through a goth phase, and some of us go through a punk rock phase, and some of us go through a different phase. And fuck you, Dad, I know better than you. Blah blah. You know, that, <laughs> that whole thing can happen as early as twelve or five or. Well, whatever, but we all find our path and we all find a place to be comfortable with when it comes to higher powers and spirituality and religion and the whole kind of thing. And the band posed the question out there. Do we need all this stuff? What is this? You know, there's a lot of them out there. And then ultimately, Ed, I think on, on, on behalf of the band said, we're living in this space and we feel this way about the question that we posed 15 years ago. Whatever that was. How many years is that? God's dice to mind your manners? 21 years? 2000 to... No, 11 years? 12 years? Yeah, about, about that. There you yeah. go. So I think those two, you know, because just it's not about bashing your religion per se as it is to say, we got questions 
And now we've found our own personal answer about this topic. So, yeah, no, it makes total sense. And, and I think that the evolution of the band and their thought process as informed by their experiences helped shape that call to answer. So, mm. and it is well, the only topic they have that they have that, uh, question and answer to. No, not at, the same album. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. All right. Well, you got your last couple here. What do you got? So I'm going to tell you a little story. Oh, I'm going to settle. Like tell line. you a story because okay. I think these two songs arguably make the best couplet in the entire catalog. Oh, oh I'm excited. <laughs> okay. So check this out. A man. Okay. Yeah. A man lies in his bed in a room with no door. He waits, hoping for a presence, something, anything to enter. After spending half his life searching, he still felt as blank as the ceiling at which he stared. Uh, he said to himself, I had a false belief. I thought I came here to stay. We're all just visiting, all just breaking like waves. The oceans made me, but who came up with love? He is alive, but feels absolutely nothing. So is he? He wonders to himself. So if there were no angels, would there be no sin? You better stop me before I begin. But let me say, if I behave, can you arrange a spacious hole in the ground somewhere nice? Make it nice where the land meets high tide. Mm. Now, when he was six, he believed that the moon overhead followed him. By nine, he had deciphered the illusion trading. Magic for fact. No tradebacks. So this is what it's like to be an adult. Mm -hmm. If he only knew now what he knew then, like a cloud dropping rain, I'm discarding all thought, he thinks to himself. I'll dry up, leaving puddles on the ground. I'm like an opening band for the sun. I'm open. Come on in. Push me, pull me, push me, or pull me out. You just you just uh, did your own, like, create a lyric for the album using two songs of different did. albums. Yes, I did. But I, I <laughs> cannot, I mean, it's amazing to me how those, there's so many parallels and so much continuity with those two songs in terms of their motifs and, and, and thematic content. But just the fact that they're both spoken word delivery, mm. they're both experimental. They both play with different timing um, and signature time signatures. Pardon me. Uh, th th there's a lot of sampling um, going on with push me, pull me a lot of loops. I think um, there's a repetitive looping of um, this harmonic progression that he plays that he plays for I'm open. Uh, but I just, it, it's, it's striking to me how these two songs um, really, really work well together. I really feel like one song is a first person point of view of this speaker's thoughts, while the other song is a third person narration of the action and the events that are surrounding this person in that moment. So it's like um, you, you, you get this um, omniscient point of view where you're, you're both hearing the out and the in. Mm. of the protagonist's head. And uh, I just think it's, it's in incredible when you pair them together, the story that is, is, is being told. And so I'm glad I'm sitting down for this. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but and I, at first I thought to myself, is this a cop out? Like, Oh, just pick the two spoken word songs in the catalog. And no, I mean, yes, it, it, certainly the compositions, there are, uh, you know, similarities where it's easy to say, well, let's just make those two into a couple of, but when you actually look at what is being written and, and the way that they're performed, there really is something there, man. And I started mixing the words together the other day. And I thought to myself, wow, like this is a really compelling story. And it really does represent to me, what are the third and first person points of view of the very same speaker. So that's mildly mind blowing how well those work together. And the fact that you found that, and I'm a little annoyed at myself for not having seen that, <laughs> um, especially having grown to really appreciate those two songs. By the way, if if you're sort of new to the band and don't know, that's I'm Open and Push Me, Pull Me. For those of you who are veterans, duh. Okay. Sorry. I had to say that. Um, I love it. That's a great, that's a great pairing. Um, the idea that it's a, it's a similar trajectory but you've get the you get the two viewpoints basically you're directing your own film you get you get your yeah. a angle and your b angle uh for all of our film buffs out there it, it, it's a that's a cool way of looking at it i like that oh oh man well i hope i can finish here uh as good as what you just did uh 
my two tracks here are Daughter and Rearview Mirror. Oh, interesting. I've always from the felt, same album too. From the same album. Um, I've always felt these songs are connected. The the obvious points would be the shades go down in Daughter and they go up mm-hmm. in Rearview Mirror. However, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to add a middle act to completely flesh this thing out. So you so can easily- you're you're, at, you're adding your own proverbial tag to daughter. Here's what you're doing. Yes. yes. How original. <laughs> it's an ode to the band. You know, it is. An ode. Ode. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to see where this goes. So you could very easily say, okay, the girl who's ignored and emotionally, maybe physically um, to abused in daughter grows up to feel like she's worth even more violent abuse only to overcome at the end of rearview mirror. That's an easy way to look at it. You could totally see that arc. That's fine. That totally works. But I have questions. Animal. That's the middle act or the tag, if you will. Animal. The little girl from daughter grows up. She's in her early 20s and is emotionally and mentally allowing herself to seek those or is drawn to those or is made to feel only worthy of those who will inflict harm on her. Mm. If it's sexual assault, rape, if it's verbal as well, emotional abuse, she had that neglect and or mental emotional abuse as a, as a young person, maybe slightly on the spectrum parents didn't understand that was, that, that was what, what daughter was about. Right. But when, if you go to rearview mirror, I feel like you're skipping a big part of her journey. And I think from animal, she starts to understand that she doesn't like this. She's starting to wrap her head around that. She's that she's worth more than the abuse that she has grown to find normal. She's not worthy of it. She's better than it. At least she's finally acknowledged that. So then you get this redemption arc by the time mm-hmm. you get the rearview mirror. And you know, you get the imagery. She's she's talking about the imagery of, of you know the fist on the plate, you know, that whole thing. And by the end, she has gotten out of there. She's gotten in the car to 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 coda this whole thing from your first couplet. She gets in the car, she gets the hell out of there. And as she speeds on the highway, looking in her rearview mirror, she saw things so much clearer. The shades went up, you know, figuratively there, literally in the in the first song, Daughter. So Daughter and RVM, they go hand in hand for me. I see that, yeah. But I think Daughter is the middle act that is implied. Um, so I'll just make it like a tag if, I, if I'm going to half cheat and I'm gonna, or I can fully cheat and make it a trilogy. <laughs> but uh, that's where, that's where I'm living. I dig it. I dig it. One of these days we should, we should do a segment trilogy songs. I thought about asking if we should just, if we should just do that at some point and I'll just skip this one or maybe this is, I'm sure there's probably more we could do, but uh, I, I had to, I couldn't, I felt so compelled because I love the shades up shades down combination no, I, I i think it's a perfect arc uh, and if we do end up going with a segment like this you, we, we should use your example here as a uh, a model for for what this could look like just to give you an opportunity to share it all again <laughs> to do it all listeners. again to you know i was like i said i, I i've thought of rvm uh and daughter um as a couple it's it's a couple for a long time especially right when we were talking about the first part um but when I started thinking about animal, I was obviously, I was thinking of uh, Mama Sun, and I'm like, yeah, I see the arc here. It, it fills in like a gap that was like, it's an obvious, I think, if you think about it, it's an obvious part of the arc, but it, it, it's more, it's um, instead of being implied, you get like, it's like if they made Star Wars and then Return of the Jedi, and you're like, I know something had to happen in the middle. And so you actually get you know, Empire Strikes Back, and that's yeah, fucking brilliant. Yeah. So I love it. Uh, what do you guys think of these couplets? We've got uh I'll say mine real quick. Immortality and can't keep, God's dice and mind your manners, and then daughter with an animal tag and a rearview mirror. And Paul had 
I had uh, I'm Open, Push Me, Pull Me, MFC and Gone, and Garden Worldwide Suicide. And just so um, we can really complete the, uh, the ensemble here before we get to part three eventually, <laughs> uh, in part one, Paul had Spin the Black Circle and Let the Records Play. He had Life Wasted and Save You, and he had Black and Comeback. And I had Force of Nature with Lightning Bolt, Alone with Better Man, and Jeremy with Rival. I am so happy that we have six unique couplets. I think it works well. Part of me was a tiny bit, tiny bit scared you were going to have a daughter in the mirror, but I'm really glad that you found your path and pushed me, pulled me with I'm open and just blew my mind. Amazing. Yeah, no. And I I think uh, your trilogy there is actually a great segue into uh, what might end up being a pretty fun segment down the road. So look for that in October, yeah. <laughs> whenever the fuck we get around to doing that. 30 <laughs> weeks. I can't believe it was 30 weeks ago. Holy uh, hell, time flies, huh? It sure has. All right. Well, let's, uh, you guys ponder that. You guys comment, give us your couplets uh, in the Discord channel, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, blah, 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 blah. Let us know what you guys think. And we will uh, in turn reply and probably say, holy shit, that's great. Because nine times out of ten, it is. Mm-hmm. So while y'all are doing that, um, we're going to move on to our lyric of the week. All right, this week's lyric of the week comes from No Code. It's I'm open. A man lies in his bed in a room with no door. He waits, hoping for a present, something, anything to enter. After spending half his life searching, he still felt as blank as the ceiling at which he stared. He is alive, but feels absolutely nothing. So is he. All right, so a bit of a wrinkle for this week's Lyric of the Week. Usually we pick like a like a portion and talk about just that portion, or we try mm-hmm. to. And this week, we have a bit of a, a bit of a, um, not miscommunication, but we were like, okay, we're going to do this part. And then you were like, no, we should do this part. And I was like, oh, but maybe we should do both parts. Yeah. So we're going to do both parts. So I'm going to lead off on the first verse, and Paul's going to lead off on the second verse, and we're going to respond. There you go. Because this is a song that is very unique. It's sort of rare, not talked about too, too much. Um, so let's just knock it out. Let's do so it. So this first part here, this first verse, and you obviously uh, said some of it earlier in your couplet. Um, these lyrics are so much like Metallica's one to me. It's crazy. <laughs> obviously, it's very different circumstances. Uh, and if you don't know that song, go look up Metallica one. It's top two, three songs of theirs all time. It's fucking amazing. Anyways, <laughs> I think so many of America's youth and and some not so young uh feel this and i and i and for many of us who are well past our youth can remember this feeling there's a numbness and a paralysis many of us feel at some point about what we're going to do with our lives what we can do with our lives it happens a lot in high school and college but it can also happen later in life perhaps if you i don't know get laid off from your job or you get a divorce or any number of issues but mostly when we're younger. And here's the rub. You lack the wisdom of being older, which means you lack context to your situation, which would otherwise help ground you. And it's easy to float to a helpless place that this verse articulates. It's how we respond to it, though. And I think writing in the third person, I have to imagine Ed is writing about his younger self, which means he's left that room with no door. He's gone. He found an escape. He's figured out what he's meant to do, what his purpose is. And as we'll come to learn later in the song with with you, Paul, he grows up and understands the tricks that once dazzled him are just that. That both feels great because you figured it out, but also saddening because the harsh reality has shown itself, like seeing the wizard behind the curtain. The final question there, almost like a uh if a tree falls in the woods, but no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that riddle or is that a riddle? What, what do you call that? Proverb? Uh, no. Well, I mean, to, to an extent it's, it's a riddle, but I mean, ultimately it's, I feel like it's, it's called something. Play on the laws of physics here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. 
anyways, um, that question, if you're alive, but don't feel anything, are you, are people in comas alive? To my, to my knowledge, they don't really feel anything, but maybe I should leave it to the medical experts like, like, you know, Dr. John Evans or something like that. Yes. It's an interesting thought though. Like, what does it feel? Does it, what does it mean to be alive? And perhaps the true answer is the feeling we all get during Mike's solo in that very song named Alive. Yeah. But there's another verse, and I'm curious where what your response to this, and then take me into that second half of the song. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a certain level of disillusionment, and uh, I don't want to call it indifference, but it's uh, disillusionment to me is a word that I believe encapsulates this pervasive feeling of emptiness that the opening verse uh, seems to communicate uh, this idea that you're, you're hoping for presence, you're searching for meaning purpose, and you spend half your life and you feel like you still have not arrived any closer to the answer than when you started and you are alive, you know, like you, you know, you're alive, but you don't feel anything. So are you alive? Um, and I don't mean that you're numb to pain. It's not like you've you've got Novocaine, but um, you know, it's just a, a sense that you are disconnected from um, any semblance of purpose. Um, now, with the second verse, though, we we have this kind of reflection. When he was six, he believed that the moon overhead followed him. By nine, he had deciphered the illusion. Trading magic for fact, no trade backs. So this is what it's like to be an adult. If he only knew now what he knew then. There's a, a moment of clarity. You know, when he, he was six, he believed the moon overhead followed him. By nine, he had deciphered the illusion, trading magic for fact. No tradebacks. And I think that is the that that phrase, no tradebacks, represents mm. the uh defining moment in in this open, you know, spoken word composition. So this is what it's like to be an adult. If he only knew now what he knew then. We have a um an attraction here in LA called the magic castle. Mm. And, uh, you know, for, for anyone listening who, who has been to Los Angeles, if, if you have yet to, to visit the magic castle, highly encourage you to do so. I believe it's still open, but essentially it it's is. a, yep. yeah, it, it, it's a beautiful attraction. You go and it, it feels like this, uh, this castle nestled into the Hollywood Hills. And, uh, it's uh, essentially a uh, magician's haven. You go there and you, you, you see magic shows. And I think what is so attractive about it is magic is the only time where as an adult, you can still feel like a kid again. You can still be struck with the same awe and sense of wonder mm. that you felt as a child when you could experience something that did not have explanation and you accepted it. You know what I mean? You accepted mm. it without the need to question and know how. Um, and I think it's it's that moment of believing that the moon follows you, you know, that the, there's no deciphering of the illusions there. And um, I think there's a part of us that will always crave that sense of wonderment, amazement, and awe. And I think that we, um, we're we drawn to experiences in life that bring us ever closer to that feeling, um, mostly because there's a vitality in that feeling that we lose as we grow older. And I think that we're always and forever in search of it in one form or another, uh, sometimes to a fault, perhaps often to a fault. So what, what I like about this, um, this ending here is <clears throat> how the song concludes with what feels like a chorus, you know, I'm open, come on in. Um, it, it, it's the, what you would hear from a store, you know what I mean? I'm a vendor. What are you selling? You know, I'm open, come on in. But there's also the, the, the personal narrative here of saying, I'm an open book. Um, you know, I have nothing to hide. I I'm, I'm an open wound perhaps. Mm. Um, so, so come on in. Um, I feel nothing or perhaps I'm, I'm open and, uh, come on in and give me purpose. Give me, um, well, no tradebacks. Maybe he's, no tradebacks. yeah, the exactly. You know, th there's a lot of angles to, to play with. I love the ambiguity 
Um, and the fact that uh, it, it's it's in keeping with the song's theme that there are no real answers provided to us. Um, but it, it's it's a very thought provoking track, and uh, I think that the lines that are the most elusive, "I'm open, come in," are are the ones that get repeated and um, the ones that conclude the song. And I think the elusive nature of the song is um, is really really well articulated in the opening and uh, closing verse. I think that to, to your point, you know, they almost feel like um, uh, two separate chapters in mm. the subject's life and, uh, and the clarity and emptiness that comes with not finding those answers and the call to question whether or not we need to find them or whether or not um, the real purpose in life is to somehow find as many of those glimmering moments of awe and wonder that we felt as a child, that perhaps finding the extraordinary in the ordinary is very much the purpose of existence. And uh, I don't know. And so we're, we're diving down the existential well here, but uh, I, I like when we do, because it just, it creates more conversation, but also the, the phrase that you're, that you're um, leaning on there, uh, very purposefully and intentionally is no tradebacks. Mm. That makes all, it makes so much sense. But the fact that that's a phrase that kids always say, "Hey, no tradebacks." Yeah, I gave you my Kirby Bucket card for your uh, Lou Whitaker card. I'm dating myself by saying those t- 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 <laughs> names. By the way, good <laughs> yeah, great uh, 80 stars. Kirby Puckett and Lou Whitaker. Good lord. Um, but no tradebacks. Twin and a tiger. How about that? Yeah. AL Central. Um, I think to use a very juvenile phrase to make that point is brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's listen, I'm open is one of those tracks that when this album came out, and I didn't really give it much of a shot when it came out because I was told by friends it wasn't good. So I it it took a few more years after that before I even listened to it. Oh. You know, I'm holding my hand up here, you know. <laughs> Um, and I'm sure some of you are the same way. Some of you heard it immediately in 90 seconds. Like, this is amazing. And like, kudos to you for understanding that at the time I did not. Um, but when I came around to it, of course, immediately I'm into hail, hail immediately. I'm into, um, some of the more direct songs, even habit, right. you know, um, or mosquito and, and this, uh, and the like. Um, but I'm open was so often a skip even as early as I'm sorry, even as late as maybe 15 years ago, it was a skip. Yeah. I was like, ah, and I've, I think I said it in, in the discord channel, but you know, the, the music always hits first for me. If I like the music, then I'm drawn in and I'll, I'll, I'll dive into the lyrics. Yeah. I can get behind a song musically and, and not even think about the lyrics, but I have to like the music first. Yeah. And there are some songs that I just never gave any time towards lyrically because the music just was like, ah, what is this? This is, this isn't direct. It's too abstract. There isn't a cool beat. There isn't a ripping guitar. And that's where I was at when I was younger. And I think that's not uncommon. Uh, But the beauty of this show is that I've been forced um to go back and really re-examine even the songs that I've come to like, oh, this is cool. Now, but I'm diving even deeper. And so the song yeah. like this is, I think lyrically, especially when you put it up against Push Me, Pull Me, <laughs> it's just rad. It's just, it's it says so much um, in such a short amount of time, in such a simple, um, minimalist way. And yeah. It's 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 just really really cool. So I'm curious what you guys think about this track, about our takes on the lyrics of this bad boy. We will move on though to our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up. All right, Paul. Live cut of I'm open. Only, well, according to our friends at Live Footsteps, 16 performances. Now, a performance is a generous term because how often have they actually played the entire song? I don't know the exact number, but it can't be very many at all, if any. 
I don't think they ever have played it all the way through, <laughs> if memory serves me correct. Someone's going to correct um, this, but yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure someone will. Uh, but but the, the the one that I think features the um, the most clarity in terms of um, production and that, that captures what ultimately amounts to the essence of the song, which are the, those uh, closing lines, I'm open, come in, uh, we can find in uh, 2008, June 28th, in Mansfield. Mansfield, uh, no matter what year it is, seems to elicit something really fun, really good. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's the fact that you're kind of in the middle of nowhere, uh, equidistant from Boston and Providence, um, in some amphitheater in the middle of the woods. I don't know what that is, what 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 happens when you're there, but listen, it, someone could easily say, "Oh, the version from uh, you know August 10th." At Safeco Field, that the person who's talking may have seen was great, and it was fine. It was, it, it's, it was again. It was just the chorus. Come in, I'm open. But I think when you have a certain audience, a certain vibe, a certain energy in the building, when it's a certain size and number of people, it it feels more conducive to get the most out of the lyrical and. um I guess lyrical performance and vocal performance uh, in that moment. And so you have an amphitheater in the middle of the woods in Mansfield. It makes sense to me. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Have you ever thought about the live cuts of uh, I'm open? I'm guessing not. Although maybe there's probably one of you out there that's like, I've been tracking this song for 159 episodes and you finally did it and you got it wrong. <laughs> probably. We come to the point of the show where we're going to reveal Paul our winner and our runner up, deserving winner. Although I must say that uh, every one of these reviews I thought was a a tremendous, tremendous morsel for the algorithm. So I appreciate all of you. There's a one from uh, our friend Travis who the subject was feeding, 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 and the body of the review was feeding, feeding, feeding. Five stars. I kind of wanted to give it to him, but he already won a no-code vinyl. So, Travis, you know, you, you're fine. You you got it covered. Um, our runner-up, if I can find it, where is it? Runner-up. This is the review. I'm going to read it for you. The uh, subject line is, a must-listen for any Pearl Jam fan. Thank you. Here's the review. I was introduced to this podcast by my daughter, whom I introduced to Pearl Jam many years ago. The content is truly my weekly blanket of gems and rhinestones about the band I love. Jason and Paul offer unique ideas, thoughts, and insights that have expanded my knowledge and understanding of the band and the music. There are dozens of adjectives and superlatives that I could use to describe this amazing podcast, but strangely, a verb comes to mind, the verb to trust, because they never let me down. Thank you for helping bring the community and generations of Pearl Jam fans together. That is from username left the porch. I mean, callbacks to wishlist and uh, unthought known. I mean, and very well embedded within the the fabric of that review. Uh, I, I I'm impressed. And that's uh, the that, runner-up, that Paul. A beautiful review. Yeah. So, um, if you're left the porch, if that's your username. That's, that's your review. 
get in contact with us. We'll try and we'll put out a blast on social media as well in case uh, that finds you first. But uh, we're going to give you a free shirt. So whichever shirt you want, whatever size you are, it's yours. There you go. Thank you very much. Congratulations on that. And and thank you very much. And thank you. Yeah. The winner. The winner, Paul. Brrr, I feel like brrr, it was a Christmas vacation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How many times a year do we do a Christmas vacation? Oh, God. <laughs> Move on. It, Moving it's on. Ju- it's June. <laughs> okay. So our winner. Love this podcast. That's good. Okay. Good start. I have only been listening to this podcast for a couple months, but it has become something I look forward to each week. Pearl Jam is my favorite band and carries a lot of meaning for me. My dad has been a huge fan for my entire life and for many years before I was born. So I grew up listening to and loving the band. It's not often that I meet people my age who truly appreciate the beauty that is Pearl Jam, so finding a community of fans has been absolutely incredible. I recently moved to college, and being away from my dad can be really hard some days. This podcast has brought us even closer together and gives us new things to talk about each week, despite the the distance. It is truly inspiring how knowledgeable and dedicated Jason and Paul are to the band, and I look forward to each new episode. Anyone who considers themselves a Pearl Jam fan will absolutely love this podcast. That is from username. I guess it's not even username. That is from Lindsay Tudor. Lindsay, holy shit. That was lovely. That was lovely. Uh, I, I, I don't even know what to say other than uh, I am still at a loss for words that anything you and I could possibly have to say could, could have uh, an effect of that magnitude. So it, it it's truly an honor to um, uh, just play a very small role in the beautiful relationship, Lindsay, that you and your father have. And uh, if we, in, in uh, some small way, were able to contribute to to bringing you and your father a, a little bit closer together to, to help close the, the distance and the divide, even um, by the, the smallest of measures, then uh, it's been a privilege and an honor and uh, we're, we're, uh, we couldn't be more thrilled to to be a part of that process. So so I thank you. And uh, if I didn't know any better, I'd say that the, these two reviews are, are somewhat related. Uh, <laughs> it, it feels like it's possible that the two of them yeah, are, it, are related. I don't, I don't know. Maybe uh, it's just coincidence. I mean, there, there are plenty of people. And as, and as we've learned from our, our roundtable episodes, which, by the way, we are working on our next one right now. It's coming together. Um, family has a lot to do with a lot of Pearl Jam fans. My older brother, yeah. my older sister, my dad, my mom. That I mean, listen, we're probably in the same boat. Uh, we yeah. were cranking um, uh, the Alive Record Day store single uh, vinyl just an hour and a half ago with, with, with my sons bouncing on my knee. Nice. My oldest knew the course. I'm like, how nice. do you know the song? He's like, I listen to this all the time. I'm like, yeah, you do. I guess, I guess you do. Um, so we're, we're doing it. But like, I love that that's what's happening and the fact like you said the fact that we can play a small role in in bridging some sort of gap and you just you know what you know it is it it feels good because somehow we feel invited into their family yeah and it's just we we talk all the time about community and uh, how that's the, the the biggest and truest reward of this entire experience and um it's just so nice to to see that manifesting itself into um into something um so much bigger, you know what I mean, than, mm. than than us and this. And uh I think I just think it's wonderful. And look, we're not Oprah, no one's getting a car, but a shirt and a book, we could do that. <laughs> uh yeah, sorry, I don't have the uh the funds for maybe we'll get sponsored by Kia <laughs> or something. I don't know. Whatever car brand you like. Um that's the episode, uh gang. And uh again, of course, we appreciate all of you listening. Anybody who's fed the algorithm, hey, you can still feed the algorithm for funsies. It's a great time. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys for doing that. Um, getting the algorithm fed so it's nice and full, so it spreads the little seeds of love outward uh, for new fans to find this community. I just don't want it to eat me, Jason. So. Okay. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, who else? Oh yeah, the patrons. Love the patrons. If you want to join Patreon, you can. Link is in the bio. Or link is in the description of the episode as well. So uh, that helps keep the lights on. We appreciate that very much. So um, anybody who's bought a shirt, appreciate you guys. That that helps very, very much. 
three cool designs if you want to check them out. And that's it. So uh, we'll see you guys next week with another fabulous episode. And until we do, you have been listening to The State of Love and Trust. Love and Trust.